The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we are joined by the one and only Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy Benefits and creator of TGFBI. We talk about all manner of things, including how many leagues are too many, how TGFBI came to be, maintaining a work-life-fantasy balance, overall competitions, NFBC, draft strategies, and so much more. But before we get to all of that, Justin, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. It is always a pleasure to uh, come on a podcast. and A new one, one I haven't been on yet. I listen to you guys, so it's, <laughs> it's a new experience. Uh, so I'm excited. Thank you guys for having me on. Oh, thanks for for being on. It's uh, it's always exciting to get people on that we haven't had on before. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, your influence on the industry is is wide and deep. And uh, picking your brain is going to be a real treat for us. Uh, Alexander, how are things in DC? You know, they are not too terrible. Uh, there's this big slab of ice outside of my office from like when it snowed a bunch a couple weeks ago that still hasn't melted. Uh, so, you know, same old, same old has this nice sort of like visual form that I can just look at every day. Um, but, you know, yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. No complaints. I grew, good, I grew up you. in and around the Washington, D.C. area. And the one thing I remember from my youth, and I think I'm a little bit older than, than, than Alexander here, uh, but um, was that anytime it snowed, the city just shut down. Is that still yeah. the case? Like, because had, like they, oh. they only got like bad snowstorm, like once every three years. And so they just like, they keep punting it down the road. Like, you know, I remember I lived on a cul-de-sac in Northern Virginia for a long time. Like, and it would take like a month for them to plow it. Like it was just a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. We, we had that storm, you know, the one you're talking about essentially, mm -hmm. uh, like two, three weeks ago. Uh, no, three weeks ago uh and the snow is still here last week though we had this great day where there was a forecast for a potential of about an inch of snow and that had all of the schools that i like work near um close and it didn't snow and it was really nice actually that day so <laughs> for, like the last scheduled school day of the semester was canceled <laughs> and all these kids got to just play outside or whatever it is you for do the threat of an inch of snow yeah beautiful yeah. i love the city it Can't all depends wait to on where you live I mean, we we get days canceled here that in in Maine they would laugh at us. So it's it's all relative. I'm I'm in New England, Justin. If if you uh, 
if you didn't know. So yeah, we we've had uh, we had a snow day. There was like it was one of those things the other day where they just didn't know it was supposed to ice over and at the wrong time, and they had to kind of like make the decision before the weather actually set in. It's it's a tough job, it's a tough call to make. Uh, but uh, Saturday here is supposed to maybe be the kind of one of those those big ones, those big accumulating snows. Anyway, we have met the the weather discussion quota for the pod at this point. Uh, it has become our thing. We will we'll keep that up as long as we can possibly uh, make that work, as long as Nick allows us to use uh, Pitcher List Podcast Network airtime to talk about the weather. Um, we are super, super lucky to have with us Justin Mason. Uh, if you don't know who he is, I don't know what, what you're paying attention to. Um, and uh, we are, are super lucky to be able to have him to pick his brain about TGFBI and all things fantasy and baseball ahead of uh, some of that. Uh, those announcements will be coming out soon, right? In terms of like yeah. setups and how it's all going to go down. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So this is the last week uh, on the 31st uh, of, of January is the last day to sign up for, for TGFBI. Uh, it's uh it's a process, man. So um, then, uh, <laughs> it's uh, you know to to take as many you know applicants and figure out who qualifies who doesn't who kind of qualifies who kind of doesn't mm-hmm. like uh and kind of go through that uh it's a fun process too though because uh you know like for instance there was a uh, you know someone who applied uh in the last week and i'd never heard of their podcast before so like i got to be able to like go like oh i'm gonna go check this out it's pretty good um you know and yeah. so uh, I always love that kind of aspect of it. And, um, you know, when, when I started TGFBI, it was somewhat a selfish endeavor. Like I never thought I was going to get into tout wars or labor mm-hmm. or, you know, or be a big thing in the industry. And I wanted to prove I was better than people. So I was like, how can I do this? And that's like where TGFBI spawns from. Um, but, you know, in my career has taken off since then in the industry but it's really cool to kind of give other people that platform and sh- you know show that they're good and they're you know they're just as good as some of the bigger names. It's also cool to see some of the bigger names you know win the overall. You know, Clay Link, Todd yeah. Sola, uh, yeah. uh, Tanner Bell just won it this last year. So um, you know, but like Kenyatta Storin, who I think is relatively unknown. Like I think he's got less than a thousand Twitter followers. He's like historically the best overall player in TGFBI history. Um, (laughs) And he was just nominated, I think, for two Fantasy Sports Writers Association. So, like, it's really cool to give people kind of this opportunity and platform to to show how good they are at the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, How about just like getting into baseball and fantasy, your origin story, your connection with the game itself? Uh, generally that comes first. I don't know if that's the case for you, um, but you know what baseball itself means to you, what, what kind of grabs you, what hooks you about the game and then how that kind of uh, translates into how you got into fantasy. So I have a little bit weirder kind of story. Like I mentioned, I grew up in the Washington DC area, but I grew up there before the nationals moved there. Um, so there was no baseball in DC. Like if you could figure out how to get to Baltimore to go see the Orioles, like that was an Avenue, but I, I didn't have that ability. Like, you know, so, uh, there was no, like, you know, I don't, don't still don't think there's a subway stop that gets you to Baltimore. Um, <laughs> so, Oh, well, there, there oh. is the Mark train and okay. it 
does run often enough that you can take the mark from dc and you can drink on the mark which is kind of nice as well uh and it's like seven bucks so um that's nice that, but hey that that's an improvement that was i don't believe that that was an option for me when i was living there in the uh in the mid um or the 80s and 90s um and so i wasn't really much of a baseball fan at all uh growing up um i didn't become a baseball fan i played baseball i played i played mm-hmm. baseball growing up and i was pretty good at it um but then i got into lacrosse because that's a more violent sport and I like contact <laughs> and people don't like it when you like bowl over catchers when you're nine, apparently. So, right, right, right. Um, I actually got into fantasy baseball cause, uh, I moved around quite a bit as, um, as a kid and ended up living with second, uh, cousins of mine out in Northern California. That's how I ended up out here. Um, and the guy who took me in my second cousin, who I call my dad now, um, he was joining a fantasy baseball league. And he was like, hey, I think this would be kind of fun to do. You want to do it with me? Um, and I was like, sure. Uh, and we got our pants beaten off of us the first year. <laughs> and I swore I was never going to let that happen again. And that is how I got hooked into baseball because of fantasy. So I started watching games all the time. Uh, I started digging into stats. I, you know, And I obsessed over the game because I am super competitive and I do not like to lose. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, that, that is the origin story for me in terms of baseball and fantasy baseball. It's a fantastic story. You know, um, it's, it's weird. I, I want to just put some like accidental shine on, uh, some of your work is when I was getting into baseball, cause I'd moved to Baltimore and I was getting a lot of really cheap tickets to Orioles games because that's the only price for tickets for Orioles games. And I was like trying to find the different fantasy podcast that i you know didn't hate the hosts of i definitely did end up listening to a decent amount of your work when i didn't know anything at all a couple years ago so that is the bar that i go for is don't hate me i don't often (laughs) succeed with that uh you know if you look at my comment section of my articles and sometimes the reviews on my podcast uh people hate me usually for the dumbest reasons possible but people do hate me but i appreciate that i cleared the i don't hate this host bar because that that that's nice that that's my only <laughs> bar i set for people i don't listen to other people's work because I, I hope they have like smart ideas or anything like that <laughs> i i read for smart ideas i listen for people to say interesting stuff uh intentionally or unintentionally so you know thanks for the, thanks for the content and stuff Oh, I'm not you. sure if you realize how big of a compliment that actually is in Alexander's own way. <laughs> that uh, that's about as good as it gets. So uh, I, I appreciate I, it. I'll take it, man. Put that like... on your on your shelf with the other trophies and, and wards. <laughs> uh, that's a big deal. Um, all right, I, I would like to move into a pass fail segment. Is something that we do here where we kind of bring up ideas and we give it a pass or a fail. We're in the off season, so a lot of the times when we do this, we're talking about trades or deals or moves or lineup decisions or whatever. Um, we don't have those things, so uh, we are stretching here a little bit, but we're going to roll with it and we're going to make it work. Um, and I know that this is something that uh, you've been talking about a little bit lately. Uh, Tongue in cheek, I think. I think uh, sometimes hard to tell, um, but I, I actually legitimately think this is a conversation that is worth having, especially with people in the industry. It's it's got to get to the point where it's hard to say no. You know, like I know 
even last year doing a few things and, and starting a pitcher list and, and getting involved in a few of those leagues. All of a sudden I was, I was doing more leagues than I'd ever done before. So uh, pass fail. Is there such a thing as too many fantasy leagues? Absolutely. Um, and I think that is a very personal discussion and choice for people. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, for some people, three leagues is too many. Um, right. And for some people, you know, uh, 50 leagues is not enough. Uh, <laughs> I, that, that number just gave me anxiety, Justin. Just yeah. To you say it. Well, I, I was I was I was. <laughs> recording last night um and had uh, zach waxman from uh, the draft champions podcast come on and mm-hmm. i think he said he played in 58 nfbc leagues last year wow and and that doesn't include like other formats like that you know just specifically nfbc um mm-hmm. and like i play in a lot of leagues i played in 29 leagues last year uh wow. and 58 gives me anxiety because i know personally yeah that playing in the amount of leagues I have in the, in the last few years hurts my bottom line. You know, there's just only so many last minute lineup decisions, uh, you know, that, you know, go awry when, you know, a game is postponed when, you know, a guy isn't playing on a Monday that you expect to, a guy goes on the IL, you know, you know, and that you have to make a lot, you know, you got to go through for me, it was 29 lineups for someone like Zach, 50 something lineups. Um, it's got to be really, really difficult. And I know it hurts people's bottom lines. Uh, you know, so I think it's, it's really about finding what works for you and then staying disciplined to stick with that. Um, I, th- I think you were kind of alluding to the fact my wife told me she's going to divorce me if I play in more than 15 <laughs> leagues this year. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up uh, that specifically, but you're welcome to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I originally made a bet <laughs> at, at FPAS with, with Rob Silver. Um, because he, he made this comment to me because I think you would probably do better if you played in less leagues because he's yeah. one of those people who's very disciplined about how many leagues he plays in. You know, um, mm-hmm. He won't play in TGFBI, not because he doesn't want to or not because he doesn't like me. I don't know if he likes me, but, <laughs> um, but because he, he limits his leagues to like four, five, six leagues, something like that. Yeah. Um, and so, which I completely understand. He's playing for a lot of money. Um, and so he kind of challenged me to to do 17 or less. So the over-under was 70 and a half. We have a bet. And my wife's like, 17 and a half? I can beat that. If you, if you don't play in 15 or less, I'm leaving you. And I mean, if you follow my <laughs> wife on Twitter at all. Yeah, of it, course. It's hard. As everybody should. At, yes, as everybody should at Mrs. D. Salinger because um, she's hilarious. It's hard to know when she's being honest and when, or when she's just messing around, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Find out after the fact. Oh, that one was serious. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the goal is to stay right at fifteen um, and hopefully maximize uh, kind of my profit potential in terms of playing in enough leagues where I can play as many formats as I want and you know and you know win as many leagues as I as I as I possibly can without overloading myself with the amount of work that goes into it. Yeah. And that was going to be the follow-up to to this one too, is like that starts to get into not only the impact it has on the leagues and, and all of that, but, and you alluded to it too with the, with home, but you know, guys who've got kids, women who've got kids, you know, like uh, demanding jobs, people who play in these things. What have you found to be like the, the work life fantasy balance, especially given that you're co- creating content, you're playing in leagues, 
you know, like you've got a lot going on in terms of, of all these things. Uh, is that something that you've found like you've got your way and it works for you? Or is that something that kind of every year it's like, okay, this year I want to do better at this or, or maintain more balance uh, over here or, or something along those lines? Yeah, this is definitely Charlie Brown trying to kick a football type thing. Um, <laughs> I have gotten better about it. And every year I make improvements uh, to try to, to try to figure out a better work-life balance. Um, and, uh, every year I get better, but every year I also fail at the actual goal. Uh, so <laughs> it's, uh, you know, like I, I've tried something this year where, or this off season where, you know, in the off season, I'm not, I'm writing daily, but I can do the articles ahead of time. I'm not writing about things that happened that day necessarily. So I'm, okay, right, I'm trying right. to knock out a week's worth of articles in two to three days. So that way I'm making sure I'm not coming into my office. Cause I mean, in the past, you know, I have been the kind of guy that I'm in my office till four or five o'clock in the morning. And then I'm up at six or seven with the kids. Um, so, you know, physically it takes a toll on you. And then obviously relationships, sure. you know, you know, as much as my wife is my biggest supporter uh, and does a ton for me, um, you know, there's, you know, she also wants to be around me outside of Twitter. Sure, right. So, which is good. Yeah, that's what you're you're going for, right? It would, the other way around would, would not be what you're uh, what you're aiming for, Alexander. So I'm curious, like, what is it you actually enjoy playing most? Like, at some point, like, those can't all be your equally favorite twenty nine children or whatever, right? <laughs> um, I mean, I. I don't necessarily have the home league anymore. So I was in a home league. It was my fir the, the first original league that I happens, uh, that I played with my dad. I was in it for 15 years. Um, I ended up winning when I, about the time I joined the industry, I won three of the last four seasons. And they, they asked me to leave the league because they said my oh, play no, was no really? longer conducive uh, to the league itself. Um, so I no longer <laughs> have that home league necessarily um so i don't know that i uh i have like the a baby in like in fantasy football um i don't i don't i haven't covered fantasy football the last couple of years in the industry but i still play a lot like i've got a league yeah. that even though it does not have really stakes at all like it, it we don't pay it's it's a high school league from my high school buddies that's my most important league i could play a thousand dollar league and that takes a backseat to my high school <laughs> fantasy football league um, because I do not I, I do not want my friends to beat me. Um, but in baseball, you know, I don't necessarily have that one league that means more than others. I mean, TGFBI is very important to me because it's sure. mine. Um, and the main events are very important to me because it's a ton of money. Uh, yep. You know, tout's important because it's, it's tout uh, and – Sure, you yeah. know barf is important because it's barf but like i don't have that one league where i like this league comes first i really do put like as much effort as i can into every league possible what about this what would be one thing about fantasy whether it's industry the game um anything at all that if you could make one change and it would be permanent forever and ever about about fantasy baseball what would that be Oh, that's a that's a really really good question. Um, I think 
I don't know that I'd change anything about the game. And I know I know there are going to be people like jumping up and down going, oh, get rid of saves or devalue stolen yeah, bases yeah, yeah, right. or, you know, <laughs> um, do this or do that. Like, you know, at the end of the day, fantasy baseball is just a game, right? Give me the rules. I'm going to sure. figure out how within those rules to beat you. Like that is like I, you know, I don't care what game it is. It's if it's Monopoly or chess or, you know, fantasy baseball, mm-hmm. like you just tell me what the rules are and I'm going to figure out how to win. Um, so like, I don't think the game itself needs to be changed, especially for good. I like the, I like the idea that people can make it individual for themselves. The industry, um, and I think it's moving in this direction. Uh, I'd love to see it continue to be more inclusive, um, and, you know, uh, and kind of open arms. And, and find different ways of profitability. Because I think some people leave the industry because they go, this isn't worth my time. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of places out there that can't afford to pay or can't afford to pay and don't pay their employees. Um, and I think that that's kind of a shame. Uh, you know, and, and I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I run Friends of Fantasy Benefits and we don't make money. Like, you know, yeah, it, yeah, is, right. it is a complete, you know, TGFBI, I don't make money from that. Um, you know, uh, so like I can't afford to pay people who help me with those projects. Um, but I wish that there were more avenues to help people, you know, make it a more profitable thing. Cause I think some really, really good, smart people in the industry have walked away in the past and I'm sure will walk away in the future because it's just not, it's not worth the, you know, amount of time and effort they have to put into it. So I I wonder if gambling is going to help with that as that becomes more widely accepted within fantasy, you know, football, especially, but fantasy baseball as well uh, in the way that DFS really, you know, as as much as I think some people don't really like DFS, it it generates a ton of money and really helps get people work in the industry that they normally wouldn't get in like a season long format. Right. Alexander, what, what would be the one thing you would change? So like, is it okay if I only limit you to one? I feel like yeah, you're yeah, probably going to have a that's laundry fine. list. You know, like, one? Okay. I mean, like, the reason I get into this is, like, I think baseball is fun, and I want sort of some sort of avenue to have to care about, like, people I wouldn't otherwise care about. So, like, I complain a ton about things being dumb, but, like, at the end of the day, like, I know who Paul Seawald <laughs> is more so because of fantasy baseball than anything else and like being able to get like jazzed up about guys who don't play essential roles on the best teams is is cool um so you know i kind of agree in spirit with that if you care about competition the rules don't matter that much um it's more just about like getting people excited to play that game and i think that's the sort of thing that I would want to figure out where we can chip around around the edges to how, how to make things a little bit more like user friendly. And like, I I feel like the things that we're doing, generally speaking to make people feel like games are like less just completely determined by like injury luck, et cetera, the sorts of things I'm curious about. So like, like the making the standards that everyone plays with, you know, somewhere closer to like more injury spots more bench spots so you have more flexibility and people don't just get burnt out whenever like so much a couple of important players get hurt you know i i remember like will brother rage quit sort of situations early on in life so it's just like how can we like on the competition side there is a suggestion right but like how can we try to find those sorts of things everywhere to make this fun 
at kind of at the center because like you know i'm i'm not spending didn't you just rage money quit a league though uh, didn't you do that <laughs> i may have yeah uh i, I feel I think like you did i feel like the injury part there isn't the problem so much as the commissioner but you're not wrong um <laughs> you're not. And actually so that, that last like, a month or so of the season though i didn't have a meaningful league that i cared about because like i don't really typically play money leagues because I don't have very yeah. much money to spend on leagues. Uh, you know, it was interesting to kind of just like watch some baseball without caring at all about who I need to pick up. And at the end of the, like the season, obviously you don't need to care that much about this sort of stuff unless you're like really in it at the end. So like, I guess it's not that much different. Mm-hmm. But like, I had been kind of thoughtful about that. Like, how do I find those leagues that I know I'm going to care about, put myself in a situation where every week I, I do this because it's fun and because it's a good investment in my time. And uh it's tough i guess because like i can sap 50 hours into a research project (laughs) pretty easily and uh, sometimes i do that at the expense of actually like setting lineups which is a problem um so i need to you know i find that i I set things and i care whenever i have people that i want to beat so i think that's my goal is i gotta find some people i really want to beat this year um and (laughs) you know making sure that the community is as best it could be is the reason that people like don't just leave and i think that's kind of like the you know keep it fun those some some tiny rules changes i guess but really just you know more focus on fun can i can i make that my answer instead i don't know it's pretty lame but (laughs) i'm okay with it no i I like that answer uh i i want one tell me who you want tell me who playing against would be fun in tgfbi and maybe i can squeeze them into your league (laughs) uh this year uh to keep you engaged um but uh i wanted to kind of piggyback on some that you kind of said or kind of alluded to there um i think one of the things that we need to do as an industry and something i've been talking about more recently and thinking about a lot more recently is how do we make the game more accessible to new players um Mm -hmm. because i feel like especially in the industry we kind of uh we have we have this assumption that they're that people are coming in with a baseline of knowledge that I don't think is necessarily fair. And doing that, doing the podcast I did with with Danielle, my wife, on TGFBI when she played in TGFBI last year, it really taught me like, oh, she knows nothing. And if someone mm-hmm. felt like her, you know, like she knew the rules of baseball, but sure. like she didn't know what Babbit meant or it meant. You right, know, she right. like she didn't she like she didn't understand like what Statcast was. And so, like, I I really feel like, you know, we need to remember that if we want the game to grow as a whole, we need to be as welcoming as we can be to newer players. And I think that sometimes means that we shouldn't assume people know everything we're already talking about. And I'm super guilty of it because I don't think about yeah, that, yeah. you know, uh, when, when I'm recording or writing, when I'm writing. Well, I think I think we all are. It, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things and writing a lot of things, and it's good. It's smart work. and you know, when somebody raises the bar, you want to, you know, kind of figure out a way in your, your own skill set to, to kind of one up your, your game. Right. And, and I do think that um, in a lot of ways that that drive is fantastic on one side, but it, I, I really do. And I've been saying this a lot more lately. So people are probably sick of me uh, saying it because they, they hear me say it all the time, but I think we're actually getting to a point where we're catering to the, the part of the iceberg that's above the waterline. And that a majority of the the people playing fantasy baseball 
they they're not really all that interested in digging in for three hours on a fan graphs page or you know and i think that's maybe like why the sliders work i know alexander has feelings about the sliders but i no, think that's I think one of the fully reasons right. that those right. yeah that those things work because it's it's like a, a a very easy visual like this guy's red i'm gonna get him off waivers or like i'm trying to figure out how to make this trade you know okay uh, you know the 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 sliders seem to make make it make sense and um, I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to take all of our content and, and what we're putting out there to those next levels, but I do think it's leaving a space for more just like everyday kind of fantasy players to be able to get their hooks into something that's going to you know invest them and keep them there. At the same time, that interest in baseball as a sport is waning. Um, you know, it might be something that the fantasy industry actually has more influence over how many people are into baseball over the next decade than major league baseball itself, because they seem to have kind of opted out of that, which is a totally different conversation. We don't have to dive into now. Uh, but I, I think you're onto something for sure that there are a lot of people, whether they're new or whether they're just not, that's just not how they work, how they function. That's not how they have fun. It turns the game into work rather than enjoyment. I think there are a lot of people who uh, are, they're not reading the, you know, the 5,000 word, uh, you know, uh, treatise on, on spin rate, which isn't because that's not good. <laughs> it's just not their thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's just not their thing. Um, you know, so at the same time, I, I think that thinking about that audience, if you're the person inclined to write that treatise on whatever it is, I don't really mm -hmm. know who I'm referring to here, um, is really important. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of a lot of like blind spots we don't acknowledge that like when you have those thoughtful newcomers of different sorts uh you know asking you like the second grade why 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 annoying sorts of questions actually aren't annoying make you reconsider like why it is that you do certain things a certain way and that's healthy um i also think um it makes you like questions like do i have to play it this way I'm right. getting more and more into the idea of playing like head-to-head -head point style leagues, which are not all that normal, I would say, within the industry. But like, that's got to be how a lot of people who are like casual fans consume it because they're coming over from football or whatever. And like, actually, like the appeal is like totally there for me. I get it. <laughs> like the idea of being able to set up, set a lineup once a week, and you know, uh, number go up, and I don't have to think about too much other stuff is like. An appealing way to just like consume something more for fun than for like a 10 variable equation which roto turns into very often so right right and i think that's a fair point because i think people with general baseball knowledge have probably an easier entry into point style leagues because all of the skills of a player are counted um in in most points for him. I, I mean not maybe every single one but more so than just the being able to strategize around drafting 10 categories um, all right, Justin, I want to pick your brain a lot more about TGFBI. All right. But before we get to that, we do have to take a very small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we are back once again, joined by Justin Mason, uh, friends with fantasy benefits, TGFBI, industry big wig, uh, the czar of fantasy baseball. Do you have any other titles that you want to shout out there uh, while we're at it? No, not that I, I mean, uh, swimsuit aficionado. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I think that yep. is uh, so, someone in one of my leagues that I play in that I played in for a really long time. Um, but it's it's you know online people we don't know each other and stuff right um, right right like all of a sudden he was like he was doing research for the upcoming season and he, he saw my name at at the top of the article he was doing research on and he like sent it to our little uh group me chat he's like what the heck is this um and another one of the <laughs> another one of the guys is like you think that's great look at this it's a picture of me in the in the uh, women's swimsuit so Nice. Um, we we may need a new league uh, member uh, um. in a little while. <laughs> so on on that note, but maybe not on that note. Are are you the sleeper or are you the bust? Um, I I would think I'm. I guess I'm the bust. I don't sleep very much. Um, Paul definitely. You know, Paul doesn't have kids, <laughs> so I would assume that that would make me the bust, which is unfortunate for me. Well, it depends upon how you define bust, mm-hmm. right? Like bronze statue. Yeah. Right? That's true. We can do that. Uh, bust. Yeah. 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 Very much. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's lots of different ways we could go about that. Totally. We're going we're gonna to go with the most flattering. Thank you. Um, all right. We have another segment that we like to do called Number or Numbers of the Week. And once again, uh, in season, we try and find something that's going on that's of interest. For, for this conversation, I'd like to bring up the number of 435. Does that number ring a bell? It does. Justin? That is the number of participants we had in last year's TGFBI. And that is a lot of people. Yes. And they're all industry people, right? Maybe we should we should have done this off the top. Like, what, what are the criteria for being part of TGFBI? I know it's not always, like, super clear-cut. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. I'm not trying to back you into a corner. But yeah. Generally, what's the gist? So, you to get to guarantee yourself entry, you just need to be producing content in the, in, in the fantasy industry, right? In the fantasy baseball industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I leave that pretty open. Like, you know, I've had people who are graphic designers, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the graphic designer for Pitcher List. He's, you know, been in TGFBI, uh, I believe, the last uh, couple of years. Um, you know, I've had people who do, like, back-end stuff at DraftKings or other sites, you know, NFBC, like, join. Um, but you have to be producing some sort of content within the industry. Um, if... If you don't qualify that way, I run satellites and, you know, uh, right. and so the winner of each satellite every year gets an entry ticket into that next year's. I also occasionally give away um, uh, entries uh, at things like Potapalooza, which is you know similar to PitchCon in terms of, right. you know, getting people together for an online uh, seminar in order to raise money for charity. So um, those are the three ways that you can get in. The, the best way is to produce content. Um, and, uh, I've, you know, I have 
been a part of a number of people deciding to start writing or deciding to start podcasting just so they could get into GGFBI. And that's, oh, that's really cool. Like to be like, yeah. okay, this guy or this woman uh, decided they were going to write about fantasy sports or talk about fantasy sports uh, because they wanted to get into this contest. Um, and, you know, it's as easy as like make a post somewhere like on medium or like, or, you know, like if you really <laughs> want to just, you know, bare bones, you know, backdoor your way in, like it's, it's really that easy. Um, so, uh, or you can try to win your way. And, and, you know, one of the guys who won his way into last year's contest finished third overall in 2021. Wow. So he won his satellite in 2020 and then, and almost won the overall in all of TGFBI. So lots of different ways you can do it. I I feel like that comes a little bit too scary close to something I've kind of referenced earlier, which is that a lot of people in the industry don't have to be good at producing good fantasy baseball teams. So, you know, I uh I, I find that the the thing that initially I'm going to say some mean things here, but not really mean that, oh that I like, I kind here of felt go. whenever I was young and um, I don't know, like obnoxious, like, you know, like a year ago or whatever uh, is it, you know, <laughs> you, last week. Yeah, pretty much, you know, more so for NFBC overall than to GFBI is like at some point, like how much do you really gain by just getting a whole bunch of people's opinions when a lot of people's, a job in their opinions is just to disagree it's like are, are we getting good disagreement or are we just getting people who are just trying to be different and uh i feel like one of the things that i've kind of warmed on is just through something like this you get this really really interesting different collection of people having a platform to have fun opinions and rather than just thinking it's like oh most people are going to be wrong because like i'm going to be wrong too like there's no point being like angsty about it um <laughs> so you know it's it's grown on me that i would want to care about something like this as a consumer of content not just a producer of one even if someone who's not quote unquote within the industry tree can come in and take third in the competition that doesn't I think there would have been a version of me that would kind of see that as like weirdly discrediting <laughs> and like it's weird to say that but like you know you think about that for just slightly longer and it's like no obviously that's possible and more importantly like right. you know we shouldn't care that much in that sort of direction it's more like you know give lots of people the chance to like have something fun and to care about and like good things are probably going to come of it well I think they're two completely different skill sets and I, I like I think you can be good at analyzing data, but knowing when to pull the trigger or being effective in trade negotiations or how much fob to spend or like, I, I'm, I want this guy, I think I'm not sure. And then he winds up being the one who blows up. Those are all very, very different things from being able to go and say like, objectively, here's the information. I'm good at understanding the information versus I'm good at managing and staying on it all year and not running out of gas and not missing a week of of fob runs because i was distracted by my four-year-old like there's very very different skill sets there i think uh sorry justin i didn't mean to cut you off i was i was literally gonna say very similar things i mean i think there's a difference between um being a good player and uh being a good analyst um you know and i, I think often uh and one of the things i don't want tgfbi to turn into is like this thing where people like look at the bottom of the overall standings and go, oh, this person sucks. I'm never going to listen to them again. 
Um, right. Because that's not true. Like just because you are good at the game doesn't mean you are good at teaching someone how to play the game. Right. right. Or, you know, or, or teaching people, you know, how to analyze, you know, baseball in general. Um, uh, you know, I also want to remind people like that the best players in the world at this game are analysts. Like as much as right. we want to say, like we are experts or, or among the, or the best players in the world, you know, uh, you know, things like Tout Wars, Labor, and TGFBI, like we all want to say, like, these are the best players. The best players aren't giving away their information. Like Phil Dessau, right, who had like, right. probably the <laughs> greatest, you know, season uh, ever, you know, like he went on a few podcasts and he's like, I'm done. That's it. You know, I don't know that you've ever heard someone like Casey Chaw or, you know, John Posma, like, or, or, you know, some of these guys, like, they, they might do a guest spot here or there, but they're not entering the industry because there's too much at stake for them. They don't want to give away right. their information. So, and I think in some regards, you know, being in the industry can make you a better player, but it also can make you a worse player. Um, because, like, if, if you're going to honestly, you know, give away the information that you learn, people are going to use that against you. Like if I, you know, I did not get Cedric Mullins in either of my main events last year (laughs) because I gave that information away. Would it have been more profitable for me to not say anything? Absolutely. But my job as an analyst comes first and therefore everyone's always going to have my ranks. They're always going to have my takes. They're always going to have the guys I'm fading and the guys I'm looking to, you know, grab late. Um, and that unfortunately makes me technically a worse player than I would be if I wasn't in the industry. Well, I'm not necessarily a worse player, but like it does handicap you in that, like you're playing with an open hand and they've got their cards, uh, neatly tucked. Right. So that's, that's definitely a huge disadvantage, but I also do think, like I was saying, I think that there is, there's the information side and there's the action side and you can be really good at the information and totally bad at, at pulling the trigger or, I, you know, I've, I've got some buddies who are just amazing at pulling off trades. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I'll be barking up a tree for a guy and, and no, 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 this person's untouchable. Two days later, trade gone through. Like what, what are you talking about? This guy was untouchable two days ago, but not for that guy. You know, it's it really is. Uh, um, there's there's a lot of facets to it. So I certainly hope that there's not people out there looking at those rankings and saying that. Um, and it, you know, from a selfish point of view, I, I don't I don't know where I'm gonna land. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. I don't know how much of my my uh, you know my life is gonna become a huge distraction at some point in the middle of the summer. There's just so many factors that go into it that um, I think baseball industry for the most part is good at looking upward and and being positive and supportive and what's the takeaway and what was the decision and and congratulating people for the good decisions that they did make. Um, I, uh, I, I don't see a ton of people kind of trying to like punch down. And I think that's a great thing. And we should see, we should see none of that. There shouldn't be any of that in the industry. And that's one of the things I like a lot about uh, at least the circle that I'm in, in, in this silly little corner of the world that we have um to that end what is what's it like running a league of experts uh it's very uh times consuming and um <laughs> i mean it's a lot of fun because i get a lot of credit right sure. like i mean 
you know, people are, you know, especially once I start sending off the acceptance letters and start putting people in leagues and things like that, like, um, everybody's going to want me on their podcast. Everybody's going to want me on the radio show and people are going to shout me out and talk about me. So like in that regard, it's amazing because, uh, like I'm getting a lot of kudos, kudos that I probably don't really deserve. Um, and I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm all about taking other, you know, credit. I don't really, I haven't really earned. Um, but, uh, at the same time, it's, it's stressful because I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever been a commissioner of a, of a fantasy league, it can be a nightmare. Um, sure. and I'm the commissioner of 29, it'd probably be 30, you know, or maybe more this year. Um, and that's, yeah, uh, that's, that could be scary. Luckily, NFBC has taken a lot of the load off of me, you know, um, you know, I pretty much tell them who to put in which leagues and then I can kind of wash my hands of things for the most part. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, which is really nice because prior to it being on NFBC, it was, it was a lot more difficult in terms of like day-to-day management. The first year of TGFBI, I messed up the settings on waivers and I had to do waivers manually um oh for goodness. every single league and there was only 14 leagues i think back then 14 or 15 Still, leagues. it's a lot for one league yeah so you know and i had to do it before rosters like or before people were, <laughs> right, woke up right. and saw that their their waivers didn't go through so it was up to like six o'clock in the morning like you know manually oh, inputting so like thankfully i don't have to deal with that kind of like thing anymore um you know or, or if someone's having trouble with a site i can just be like hey go talk to derek over at nfbc here's his email like you know um <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's uh i mean for 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 all the headaches that it sometimes causes it's it's pretty amazing it's and it's been great for my career um you know you know people know who i am in a way that they wouldn't have had i not started tgfbi and um and uh it's gotten me closer to a lot of people in the industry um who you know have become friends and uh and colleagues and so it, it's a really really cool opportunity well i'm glad we were able to snag you before all of the uh it all takes off we under under the wire here <laughs> um what is and and you can answer this however you want um I'm not trying to to pull at, at uh, uncomfortable threads here. What what are some of the craziest things you've seen go down? Whether it's like like uh, drafts or somebody going crazy early, or somebody who got a deal super late in a in a draft, or just anything at all. You've, I'm sure you've seen a lot. In, what's, in, uh, what's in TGFBI the, or just in general? TGFBI. Um, crazy. I mean, here's the thing. Anytime you're in an industry uh, uh, league people are going to make picks for attention. Sure. Um, that makes sense. You know, because, you know, and this happens in labor, this happens in tout and this, yeah, the guy who wants to set the min pick on this guy. Yeah. And they right? want, they want people to go, this guy's crazy here. Come defend yourself. It gets some attention. Sure. Um, and, you know, because these leagues are ostensibly free, like there isn't like, the financial uh you know motivation to like hey i have to have a good team and so people can right. try different things that they normally wouldn't try you know for instance in tout wars a few years ago um they changed the head-to-head -head rules and when i ran the point valuation uh through the head-to-head -head points league uh through a calculator i went 
pitching is worth like 10 times what hitting is. And so everybody was like, you know, doing a 70, 30 hitter pitcher split or a 50, 50 hitter pitcher split. And I spent 200 of my $260 on pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you doing? And I mean, you know, I didn't necessarily do it for attention, but I knew it would get me attention. Sure. Right. Um, right. And I think people, there will be picks. Someone will take someone in the top five that hasn't gone or the top 10 that hasn't gone to the, you know, first round um, or maybe the first two rounds. And, you know, then, uh, you know, people will uh, lose their mind and it'll be fodder. Uh, And so, yeah, there's there's definitely stuff like that that happens. Yeah, that's what I meant. More like the the fun, crazy side of things. It's I mean, it's when you're like you said, when you're getting a group of people who are industry minds together. Uh, in this format, there's opportunities separate from just playing fantasy baseball. So it's, uh, <laughs> you know, definitely interesting. It's Alexander. A, it's interesting. Like, I definitely do remember some of these, like, things that I remember in the moment being kind of crazy when they even, like, partially pay out. And they do make me kind of, like, sit back and think. Like, I remember, I think it was last year when, like, Todd Zola took um, Starling Marte, Starling like, Marte seventh overall. Third- yeah, it took him 13th overall okay, when his ADP was like 24 or 25. Um, yeah. I believe that was 2020. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, so it was it was the year it was the year after he won TGFBI the overall. Um, and and people said it was crazy. I was one of them. I was like, and I love Sterling Marquette. Like <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Uh, but he had a really good rationale, and people talked about it. So like, I think Todd is a little bit above doing something crazy just for clicks. But, um, you know, I also think he was like, Hey, I'm going to make sure I get him. This is where I have him. Uh, and I think you do see that a lot where people go, this is a team I care about. I want to win this league and I'm shooting for the moon. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw ADP out the window and go after the guys I, I want on my team. Uh, and so sometimes that results in somebody being taken 40 spots, 50 spots ahead of their ADP. And everybody's kind of like, what the heck? I thought I was going to be able to get (laughs) Emil Cruz at pick 200. And you just took him at 110, you know, that kind of thing is going to happen. The overall component kind of does that across the board, right? Where you're playing, not just to compete against the other 14 guys in a league, but the 300 or 450 guys that are in the entire, you know, whole, whole system there you almost have to sometimes do crazy things like that, right? If you, to take the shot at being different in, in a way to be able to, and we're going to kind of get into that in a moment. So it's a little bit of a segue into like specifically strategy and, and ways to approach it. But yeah, it doesn't I'll, strike me as I'll, all that bizarre that sometimes people would go out on a limb because they're like, okay, I, I, I'm going to make sure I lock down this category. I'm going to make sure I lock this thing down. Because I want to be able to not only beat 14, I want to be able to beat 434 other people. Yeah, I mean, I, I that is kind of the common wisdom is, hey, I need to like I, I need to be different. I need to do this. I need to I need to go get that sexy guy that I think can win me the overall. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to talk about that here in a minute or so. Um, that is actually the worst thing you can do. And I, I will explain it in depth and I will give supporting documents uh, to okay. you from my own personal like life. It. So perfect. 
Alexander, you wanted to jump in with something. You know, it, it's actually kind of interesting. Like, I, I remember hearing, like, the very first, like, podcast that was, like, specific to dudes that are going to ha- be, like, picked out 20 picks above their ADP or whatever it is because you have to try to win the overall. And it's uh, it's really funny to me to think, like, I, I mean, I, I guess if, if you're not really playing any for anything other than kind of, like, attention, fun, and maybe winning the overall, of course that's going to be your strategy. But remember, the same podcast... And I, I think Paul may have been involved in this, uh, but I don't hold him against it one way or another. The, the two people identified, I believe this is before 2020, that you need to like snipe early were Tatis and Austin Meadows. Uh, and um, those are both guys, guys you couldn't snipe in the first round. Um, and uh, one of those paid off pretty well for 2020. And the other one was Austin Meadows. And... <laughs> You know, it's it's the sort of thing where, like, over and over again, my mind is always just like, how can I ever try to think like that? Because I just don't think I could make my brain do those things. Um, and I just really like seeing everyone call of those shots at this point. I, I think that's been, like, the real change for me about this is, like, finding that fun rather than finding that grating or anything like that you could find. If, again, you're angsty and annoying and don't know anything, but I think you do. I think, too, that, like, there's this idea that, and it, we're going to see it a lot this year, because if you, you know, going back to Phil Dussault, who, like, who had just, you know, like I said, the, you know, for those you don't know, he won the main event overall, he also won another overall, and he finished third in the main event, um, uh, as well with a different team, and then another team finished, like, second in the Rotowire Online Championship. So he won, like, $380,000 or something playing fantasy baseball last season, um, and had just the most unbelievable run. And one of, you know, the two players, two of the players that were on all of his teams were like Robbie Ray and Logan Webb. Uh, And, you know, and then people are going to look at like what my call with Cedric Mullins and be like, and I'm talking about industry people. I'm not talking about uh, necessarily about the regular Joe is that they're going to want to find those next guys. And like, you know, we've already seen articles, you know, about the next Robbie Ray, about the next Cedric Mullins, about the next Logan Webb out there. and I think that people really confuse the fact that uh, those are really, really lucky picks. Like, and right, like yeah. I never, I may never have a call like Cedric Mullins again in my career. Um, and if <laughs> if you, you know, I mean, just like a hitter, like if you're gonna swing wildly, yes, you may connect and just crush the ball out of the park but you also may strike out 40% of the time and that's not right. going to win you leagues. Right, right, right. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, so, so to that end, um, well, no, go ahead, Alexander, go ahead. I mean, even more fun than that has to be like calling a guy a year early. Um, and I'm mm-hmm. sure so many, of these pieces <laughs> yeah. are, I, I've joked a few times that I, I wrote a piece. It was like my second piece ever for picture list, basically calling first round Otani for 2020. Um, and uh, I mean, I still stand by everything I wrote. Um, the thing is, like, I wasn't predicting that it was going to be better. It's just like, y'all can't do math as uh, the entirety of it. And my math was pretty mediocre, actually. I, some of it, some of it actually could have done a better job, but like, it doesn't win me anything <laughs> if you're just like a little bit early on it because you happen to pick a guy who gets hurt or something else beyond their control. Like, so much of everything is very clearly just the guys you were kind of in on were projected not to play all that much and then suddenly played all the time uh so Mm -hmm. you know i 
I, I think then like what you're saying is like you're gonna strike out a whole lot presents this interesting sort of like way you gotta weigh those odds though it's like uh, the difference between um like being one for 40 essentially like at that point if you're like one for 40 and swinging for the overall and by your approach like you're probably not in your playing lifetime ever going to hit it but like if you don't swing at all you're probably also not gonna hit it if you don't at least think that way a little bit right so i'm kind of curious like where do you think that middle ground is between first round austin meadows sort of stuff and you know the thing where you take the 30 year old guy who's like pretty well established and gonna pay within a really narrow band of his adp all all your picks i i think that you want to pick and choose um like kind of your battles like i mean I mean, think of it like a major league baseball team, how they construct the lineup. Are they going to put a bunch of guys who strike out 40% of the time on the same roster? No, they're going to have one guy maybe who strikes out 30% or 40% of the time, but could hit 40 bombs. And they're going to probably surround them with a bunch of guys who like walk, you know, 12% of the time and strike out 15% of the time. So that way, like, you know, because here's the thing, like you can be great at player analysis because back to what we were talking about. If you are bad at roster construction, you are not going to win leagues. Like fantasy is all about putting the puzzle pieces together to make the best possible picture. I think there's a lot of different ways to put those puzzle pieces together. um, But it's a matter of like, you can't have like all pieces with the peg and none with the hole because then they won't fit together. And I think a lot of times people will go, I want I want all these pegs. I want all these pegs. These pegs are great. These pegs are sexy. They don't get enough of the guy, you know, the glue guys to hold their team together. Um, and that's why they're unsuccessful, especially when an overall component is is in, you know, kind of play. I think often people are like upside, upside, upside. Go look at main event winners. Go look at TGFBI winners teams. They're not sexy. They're not that sexy. Mm-hmm. Like Clay Link's TGFBI overall winner uh, in the first year was like one of the most boring teams I've ever seen. Um, you know, but it was guys who all overperformed. Now now I am kind of talking about what we were going to talk about later, but um you know, like I, I think that too often especially because in the industry like nobody cares that you said Gene Segura was good. Like Yeah, right. Sure. Like they want to know like oh is O'Neal, you know, oh look, he was in on O'Neal Cruz or he was in on you know, Cedric Mullins or what, you know, whatever, you know, whoever those guys are going to be this year. Um, but like, n- nobody cares that you were like, Hey, Michael Brantley, man, he just, you know, yeah, hit yeah, 300, yeah. you know, with, you know, 25 home runs and, you know, boatload of runs and RBIs because he just, you know, racked up. Like nobody cares about those guys. Like, uh, you know, that, Hey, I, I paid $12 for him and he made me 22 like you know it's like, right i do feel attacked yep. because my last piece i published was <laughs> like really focused on michael brantley uh so i'm going to pretend that that was on purpose uh it was you know, not that, on purpose feels right. I'm, glad it was. Yeah, but I'm glad i used well, michael it, brantley I'm it just actually to think sounds of, like that's, no, that's the perfect guy to point out too like, that's yeah. the content where we actually do need right is is somebody going out there and saying like don't sleep on the guys that are right in front of you hiding in plain sight so let's dig in a little bit. Let's let's talk about kind of uh, what it is it that makes a TGFBI winner or an overall winner. Um, what are the players that maybe 
fill those roles? What are some like prototypical players coming into this year's draft? And you don't have to give away the secret sauce or the, re- the, you know, the, the, um, secret recipe, you know, uh, can, can I twist that just question kind of like a little bit? I, well, uh, sure. Go ahead. I, I wanted to ask then kind of like <laughs> who the guys you're most interested in, how the crowd is going to react within kind of those stereotypical roles. Like I'm, I, I'm obviously have some names in mind here, but like, I, I want to know what the secret sauce is, but like, that's a, a question I know I'm going to ask. And I, I'm sorry that I'm like jumping you away here, Matt, but like, no, no, I think yeah. it's good to have in the back of mind. I would like to talk a little bit first about like generically that what you were talking about in, in the beginning of like conventional wisdom says to zig, but really you should zag and what that looks like and feels like. And, and kind of the the way to construct a roster in these formats. And then we can kind of get into like the players that are the case study for the the rule. I mean, you want to, I think, be very risk averse in, in a lot of regards. I think people often they they when they're drafting, especially in the first five to ten rounds, like often they're looking for upside, right? They're like, oh, this guy could be the best player in fantasy, or this guy could be a first rounder um in their first few picks. And they pick a guy like Byron Buxton. They, you know, mm-hmm. they they pick a guy like Austin Meadows. They pick a guy like that has clear warts or clear issues that they're willing to ignore because they see the ceiling. Um, I'm much more worried about the floor. Uh, right. And I, I think you know one of the things you'll see is that, um, especially in these overall contests, is that the really good players make sure they have a lot of innings pitched and a lot of at bats. And, um, and that seems basic, right? Like it it seems kind of like super easy and basic, but I can't tell you how many times um, people walk away from a team going, man, look at this team. If it all comes together, but uh, you know, like some, a a while ago I was listening to this uh, professor from Stanford. Um, He's a mathematician or she's a mathematician from Stanford. Um, and she was talking about the odds of winning the lottery and the odds of winning the lottery is uh, like being put in a, uh, in a pool filled of M&Ms and you blindfolded have to find the one Skittle. Um, <laughs> and so in 2019, I drafted one of these kind of teams. I, my first ever main event, I thought I was the, you know, I thought it was great. I thought I was, you know, I was going to just take NFBC by storm. Um, and I put together a team of injury risk and upside that included Giancarlo Stanton. It included, uh, you know, Garrett Hampson. It included a bunch of, you know, Luis Severino and, um, and uh, uh, Carlos Martinez, who were like coming off injury, were supposed to miss the first month. And I, I, no joke, walked out of the ballroom I was driving, ran into Tristan Cockcroft and Eric Carabell of ESPN and, like, handed them my team and, like, you want to see what's going to win the <laughs> NFBC main event this year? It's this team. I had to work really, really hard not to finish dead last in the overall. I lost 18 of my uh, 30 players um, – uh, to injury outside of the five that I drafted on that were already injured. Already injured, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I said all I had to do was make it to May. I did not make it to May. Um, <laughs> like, it wasn't even close. <laughs> and so, and, you know, so I tell the Eminem Skittles, you know, kind of analogy is because 
in order for a team like that to hit, everything has to happen at once, right? Um, you know, and so, like, it, it, I mean, it's it's simple math, right? If you have a one in a hundred chance of something happening, and you multiply that by a one in a hundred chance of hap- that happening, it's not one in a hundred, right? It's right, one no, in ten thousand, right. right? So if you do that over and over and over again. It just continues to grow exponentially. And so you definitely want to take some of those one in hundred shots, right? You want to take the Cedric Mullins. You want to take the Logan, uh, Logan Webbs, the, um, uh, the guys like Robbie Ray, but really you want to do those when it's not going to hurt your team. You already have a base of plate appearances. You already have a base of, uh, of at bats. Uh, you know, so we're talking post round, you know, probably 10 to 15. Um, and you also want to fill your team with just a bunch of, you know, plate appearances, a bunch of innings pitch. So that's why like right, right, right. guys like Gene Segura, who I've, you know, I, I've mentioned a few times already guys like, you know, Michael Brantley guys who like kind of load up on plate appearances and maybe unsexy. Um, the Kyle know. Seegers, uh, right. Yeah. Like the, it's like a pro from a bunch of years ago. Yeah. Prototypical. Yeah, like, why, the, oh, I have to take him. One of the guys that was on Phil's team was, you know, uh, you know, uh, main event winner team was Brian Reynolds. Like, yeah. you know, he like super, super unsexy that he got like post two like, like pick two thirty, like, mm-hmm. like, and he wasn't the reason he quote unquote won the league, but he would not have won those leagues without a guy like that. Right, right, right. You know, it's really funny. Is like Brian Reynolds in my mind is like the picture perfect example of the sort of guy that I always hear people tell me not to take in the last ten picks or so of my teams. You know, he's the sort of guy who's going to get a good amount of playing time in theory, walking into twenty twenty, but he's not necessarily that great. And then here you have he ends up being a bit better, but he plays all year, and he's never a zero in your team. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting to think that that's just so far and away from everything else I hear, not just specific to like the uh, NFBC, but like everywhere. Like when you do a let's do a mock for people who are going to draft for their Yahoo home leagues that we do picture list side of things a lot. That Those are never the guys people are picking late, period. And uh, it, it's really interesting to me, like that sort of don't take any zeros in your team mindset doesn't feel like it's the thing but like you know i i did a bunch of research on like how the fan graphs calculator works and how you'd improve it and like zeros are the worst thing in the world like um mm-hmm. a zero in your lineup on average is about as negative as like peak mike trout is a positive it was kind of like the conclusion i came away and i was like that feels mm-hmm. dramatic but i like to be dramatic it let's is. go for it but like that that's what it looks like um filling your lineup is really important and it seems like uh um it seems like we as an industry have a hard time capturing that and talking about that in ways that are entertaining also and i i, I have to imagine that plays yeah. into things as well well because i think like, one of the things go, no, go ahead Jeff. oh i was just gonna say i was just gonna do another analogy like i don't know if you guys play poker if you guys are gonna be playing poker like you know PitchCon and all that stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying that on air, so you can bleep that out. If no, I'm no, it's totally okay. fine. It's actually it's happening right after our live dugout study hall. Oh, great! Uh, uh, appearance. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, I love the. I won. I won the poker game last year. In case. Oh, did you? In case you did not know that he. I um, think you took like, the money. That yeah. 
yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I took everybody's money except for uh, me. Me and Rudy Gambles ended up splitting it, so uh, it did not take Rudy's money, but it took everybody else's. Um, so, like, if you if you play poker, like, I think the analogy is like, go talk to a poker player about like a hand that they remember. Now they are going to tell you about the hand they either won the most money at or lost the most money at. They're never going to tell you about the $20 hand they won. But right. if they had a bunch of $20 hands, you know, that equals more than that best win or, you know, that worst loss. And like in fantasy, like, you know, I go back to the puzzle analogies. I'm really analogying it up tonight. I don't think that's a word. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, you can you can take upside late and you can also take glue guys late if, as long as it fits well within your team, right? And so you have yeah. to really become you want to be a successful, you know, fantasy player, whether it's in NFBC, you know, fan tracks, uh, you know, your home league on ESPN or Yahoo or CBS. It's all about learning how to be able to in the moment, in your auction or in your draft, diagnose what does my team need in this minute? Is it upside? Do I need to shoot the moon on a guy? Cause I have a bunch of old boring guys that I know are going to be played appearances, but I'm not, I'm not playing for third. Um, or is it, right. Hey, you know, I have a Byron Bucks and, and an O'Neill Cruz and a, you know, these, I need guys that I know for sure are not going to give me a zero on any given day um, or week. Uh, and so it's, it's really being able to disseminate your, you know, your own team and information like, you know, some I think going back to what Alexander was talking about earlier, like I think the best fantasy players or some of the best fantasy players like in home leagues and stuff are the ones that are really good at dissecting who are good at giving analysis, right? Like what is yeah. good analysis and what is bad analysis and which analysis matches my league and mm -hmm. my settings yep. and my format. Absolutely. Because that's also critical. And to your point from before, I think that there are a few things at play that maybe get brought up, but almost glossed over. Like they be, it becomes the lead into the point instead of the point. Uh, and that is range of outcomes, right? Which is kind of what you're talking about. And no matter how much we say, like this guy has a wide range of outcomes, people only look up uh, at, at the ceiling. And also opportunity cost. Uh, so it's not necessarily was that guy a great value at that spot, but but more so like who do, who else could you have had, and how could they have maybe better fit into your team or your roster construction? And I think one of the reasons that it's not necessarily a focal point is because that's so dependent on the draft in the moment, the league, the settings, all of those things. But it's absolutely critical. And, and I say this as somebody who I think that might be one of the places where I struggle as a player versus an, an analyst is like I can look and say, OK, this player in this moment or in a vacuum, right? But in the moment, I'm deciding between three people and that clock is ticking, especially if it's not a slow draft. You got 15 seconds to pull that trigger and I get this guy and then immediately go, oh, my God, I should totally have taken that other guy. So I think that as much as we can't analyze that and we can't write an article about it and we can't put out specifics because it's so unique to the circumstances, it is a concept that is incredibly important in the draft room to be thinking about, as you said, not just the ceiling, but the floor. Where can I take the wide range of outcomes and and you know bring that risk on for the reward? And where do I need to find somebody who's a, got a much narrower range of outcomes at a certain value? 
and who else could I have had in that spot? Um, and, and maybe even like two or three spots. Like if I take this guy here, then I have to take that other guy there. If I do that, do I like those three players in the first three rounds better than the other three players that I would have had if I'd gone a different way? Uh, those types of things are, are, I think, really important to play out. Mock drafting is super important for stuff like that. Looking at different ranks, understanding systems and formats, all of those things. There's just so many variables. And I think, again, it speaks to why people can be really good at seeing those angles and avenues and be really good players versus people who are really good analysts because they're looking at things more in a vacuum. And the people who can do both are are they absolutely boggle my mind. Yeah, so the, that's always the most impressive to me. I will say just a quick plug for myself, and this is something I don't plug very often. Um, plug away. You know, one of the things I started doing a few years ago, uh, I think it was, I, I think I mostly started doing it in 2020, um, but I've done it once or twice before that, um, is I live stream a lot of my big money leagues. Um, the drafts, like the actual drafts themselves. Mm -hmm. And people think I'm crazy because I'm giving away a lot of information. My competitors can watch it um, while while yeah. they're drafting. Um, but I think it's a really cool tool for people to see like how to build a team in the moment. Because like, you right. know, when you're drafting a $1,700 team in the moment, like you're really hyper-focused on like how my heart how, couldn't take it, Justin. Yeah. Seventeen hundred dollar draft. Forget it. Yeah. So That'd follow me on Twitch. On follow floor. me on uh, <laughs> yeah, on, uh YouTube and Twitter and stuff. <laughs> um I think Twitch and YouTube are the only place you can comment because I answer questions and stuff while I'm doing it. Um but uh it's it's been a really cool thing uh in process to kind of show people like, hey, this is this is what I'm talking about in terms of like, you know, when you ask me like um you know, I'm trying to think of like two players, like I'm just going to roll down one of my rings. Like, hey, who do you like more, Harold Ramirez or Lamont Wade Jr.? Well, that really depends on the construction of your team. And that's really hard for me. Right. Like, I can tell you I've got, you know, Harold Ramirez ranked higher. But, may, but in that moment, but in that moment, that may fit better into my team. Um, and so allowing people to kind of watch the process of how I draft. Uh, some of these like really big money leagues have has been really cool and fun. I hope people, I hope more people do it. And I have seen more people start to like live stream their drafts. So I have now the opposite of that sort of question that I, I, I kind of been kicking around for a while and I, I feel like, um, I feel like there is a per certain amount of me that like, uh, gets exactly what you mean when like that sort of, um, stream can help you to understand something that's not exactly the same like watching you not pick harold ramirez is not necessarily the lesson you take away so i'm curious then like of this tgfbi groupthink experiments or, or anything else like pretty closely related to it what is it you think that like the more yahoo home league people probably ought to be disregarding or at least being wary of if they're trying to pull the correct signal from all the noise if you oh that's that's a really good question um and i'm gonna say something that i probably shouldn't um you should do you want a minute to think about it <laughs> uh, no because i mean i i, I want to be honest like you know, sure. People who follow my work are not playing in a lot of Yahoo 
leagues. Or at least my work isn't meant for that. Like, right? Um, sure. Now, you should take my player analysis to heart, right? Um, Absolutely. But I think this goes back. I can't remember which one of you said it. Said, like, you know, a lot of the stuff we talk about in the industry is not applicable to what a lot of other people play. Um, like, you know, in terms of strategy. And I think there's some great, you know, game theory, you know, podcasters and, um, and writers. I like to think that I'm one of them. Um, but, you know, I, I think often, like, we quote things like NFBC ADP, um, not remembering that the majority of people are not playing on NFBC, and that is meaningless. Right, um, especially now when it's so influenced by like leagues that don't have fob at all. Yeah. And so, oh my God, closers are going crazy. Well, in that context, yes, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing in your Yahoo league. Yeah. So I think you, I mean, knowing your format, I think is the most basic part of playing fantasy is really knowing how your league is played, whether it's a 15 team, you know, 50 round draft and hold or a 30 team, 100 man or 100 roster, uh, man roster, uh, dynasty league or a 10 team head to head points league, which is the most popular format in fantasy baseball. Uh, and nobody talks about it on podcasts. Or pretty much nobody talks about it on podcasts or in articles because they're just so hard to talk about. Um, uh, I think, you again, this is another one of these situations where you you have to become really good at learning what is useful and what is not. Um, and I, I've, I've been trying in the last couple years because with COVID and being stuck at home, like I've had a lot of opportunities to think about things like, you know, potential asteroids, like hitting the earth and um, <laughs> why, why we don't do more points league content um, in fantasy baseball. Uh, and I'm trying to become better at making my content more applicable to everyone uh, but it's, it's not always. Um, and I think right. that's the truth of it. Uh, and so, uh, un- unfortunately, um, you know, this is why ESPN and the CBS podcast on Yahoo, when they had the podcast were so popular, not because like they had really good analysts. They, they definitely had really good analysts on there, but they catered to their formats, right? You know, Tristan Cockroft right. and Eric Carabell talk about ESPN 10 team leagues. Um, you know, uh, you know, Chris Towers and uh, Scott White and Frank Sample, they talk about CBS leagues pretty exclusively because people are going to them to listen for it. So, you know, as much as I want you to come listen to my content first and foremost, right. and please do. Sure. Like if you're right. playing on ESPN, you should be listening to them too. Like you should be right. you should be reading and listening to stuff that's specific to the leagues you are playing. Yeah, sure. I, I feel like I've learned so much about leagues that are just really dissimilar, though, from what like Chris Towers and them are talking about by listening to them, though, because the way they talk about why and what is scarce and how you would know makes so much sense. And also because they have fun with it and that makes it more, I don't know, memorable in, in some respects. So, I mean, it, we get back to a lot of that sort of stuff pretty easily all over the all over the place so i'm curious as long as you know that's what it is <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you're hearing it right i think that's the key is if you're listening to the cbs pod for actionable uh intel on your you know i don't know, 15 team dynasty league you're you're probably getting mixed signals and crossed wires and stuff so 
knowing all of those variables, I think is, is really important. I want to ask you one more thing before we uh, wrap it up here. And that is talking about some players that in, in the format, especially TGFBI format, uh, somewhat selfishly for me, uh, because as I start looking into these types of formats more, but mostly because I think it's really interesting how the format impacts the way that things go. Um, who are the players that get like pushed up or maybe pushed down as opposed to if you were to look at say the ESPN ADP and the TGFBI NFBC ADP and where would there be discrepancies you would expect to see? Um, so, I mean, the major discrepancies are going to be in uh, stat categories or players who excel in certain stat categories um so stolen bases obviously Mondesi is going to be always a guy that probably goes higher than he should um because of his huge upside potential especially in stolen bases um you know miles mm-hmm. straw we're seeing him go almost in the top 100 right now uh you know he he's one of those guys uh you, you mentioned it earlier we're seeing unreal closer prices i'm i'm in a right. slow draft right now a battle of the podcast slow draft uh, with a, b- a bunch of amazing analysts, and I had to take Will Smith on the four five turn because <laughs> he was like the last closer I felt good about. Uh, yeah. You know, both Hendricks and Hader went in the middle of the second round. Um, like we're, it's getting worse. We're seeing. We're just you know, and I mean that league is a little bit animal of its own because people have literally just thrown ADP out the window and just doing whatever the hell they want. Yeah, sure. Um, which has made some amazing deals and some amazing, like, what are you doing kind of picks. Um, <laughs> but that's fun. Um, you know, pitching always moves up too as we get closer to the season. So if you're making a transition from something to like, you know, ESPN or Yahoo or CBS to NFBC, starting pitching the elite, levels of starting pitching get pushed up a lot um uh and you have to remember that most of the you know nfbc leagues that we reference adp from are 15 team leagues um where pitching you know really kind of you know falls off in a lot of spaces um i'll be interested to see what happens this year because i think pitching is a lot deeper than it has been in years past uh not relief pitching relief pitching will be crazy expensive um and because those leagues have overall components you can't punt like, you know, right. I mean, I, the people have done it somewhat successfully. Scott Chu, um, who works at Pitcher List, uh, you know, works with me over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. He punted stolen bases and finished ninth overall in TGFBI a couple of years ago um, and wrote a great article about it. Uh, you do not want to punt. Like, if you're forced right. into it, then that's one thing because you just missed out on something. Uh, but yeah, you do not want to punt any category, which is something I do very frequently in standalone leagues. Yeah, it's, um, it's fun. Love yeah, punting. yeah, and I think it. I think it. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, you know, can be a really good strategy, uh, especially when other people aren't doing it. But, um, yeah, I think uh, you're good. You find out in the NFPC, you can't do it because there's the overall component, and if you finish dead last in a category, you're not going to even come close to making money in the overall. So. Um, those are the main things. So, you know, we're talking about, and then guys with huge upside, right? You know, Byron Buxton, no matter how many times he burns someone, Giancarlo Stanton, (laughs) no matter how many times he burns someone, um, we're seeing it like with Justin Verlander, 
right now. Like, there's no reason Justin Verlander should be a top 100 pick right now, but he is, and he's going to mm-hmm. probably be a top 50 pick once people start seeing him throw off a mound in spring training. Um, like, that makes absolutely no logical sense for a guy who hasn't pitched in two years. Uh, but people will try to shoot the moon. And so those guys, especially as we start getting closer to March and those kind of drafts, people are going to say, this is a guy that could quote unquote win me the league because they don't understand the concept of, of how these overalls are actually won with just accumulation of statistics. Yeah. Alexander, do you have any last questions that you would like to ask Justin Mason? Um, You know, I, I don't have anything too embarrassing off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know. Um, um, I, I guess if I have anything, it's like, do, do you play any dynasty actually? Like, do, do you get it away from it all with anything like that? I do. I, I play in a, in a few dynasty leagues. Um, I've had to cut some of them so I can keep mm-hmm. under 15 this year. Um, <laughs> so I may be looking for new dynasty leagues next year. Um, but I play in uh, a, uh, a 30-team, 100-man roster league that is set up almost identically to uh major league baseball so it like it has a rule five draft it has you know regular rookie draft um you have a 26 man roster a 40 man roster and then you can have up to 60 prospects in your 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 non-40 man roster farm um it's uh it is super super involved uh yeah and sounds it the explanation is super involved i mean it's it's uh (laughs) You know, it's pretty much run on, uh, or the league, the league rosters are kept on a Google Doc that is about seventy tabs, and then there's like probably a forty-page constitution on pro boards. Um, this league is free. Um, Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> That's what I want to hear. Like, like we we all. Pay... I don't know if free is the right word. It might not yeah. cost any money. It but... <laughs> takes so much of my time, and every year I tell myself. I'm going to quit this league, but it is a league like I have never been a part of. I've been a part of it probably for five or six years. Um, they're going to be stoked to hear me uh, talk about the league on here. Uh, but uh, it's, it is a really, really fun league. I don't know any of these people in real life. Um, this is the league I was mm-hmm. referencing earlier. Uh, you know, we're about to have the um, international player draft uh, here in a few days. <laughs> I've got the eighth pick and I've got to figure out which 16 year old Venezuelan I'm going to draft, you know. uh, Do you think, though, that in some ways that that league keeps you extra sharp for all of the other things that you do? Absolutely. Like, I know prospects that I would never know because of this league. Um, uh, And so, like, you know, if I wasn't playing in this league and then I have another dynasty league, which is 16 team on base percentage league that I've been in um, since I think before I was in the industry. Um, that I absolutely love. And there's actually a couple of people in the industry that are in that league. Um, uh, Darius Austin, uh, Shelly uh, Verstrait. Um, uh, and they're both way better at the, the dynasty and me. Um, I've been perpetually rebuilding for like five years in that league. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it but, takes a long time in baseball. Yeah. I mean, I mostly play NFBC now, yeah. um, but I really love, dynasty leagues i love building a team like i love like going okay this is mine i get to build it any way i want 
Um, I'm in a three sport dynasty league as well. So baseball, oh, basketball, man. football. Um, I, I w- last year was the first year of it, uh, and I won. Um, and now I'm gonna have to rebuild because <laughs> I, yeah. I sold I sold my my team for a, for my future for a championship in, in the inaugural year. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I do play some dynasty leagues. My original league was um, a five by five ale only, twelve team ale only uh, keeper league, au- keeper auction league. I miss those kind of formats. Like there's something cool about like like having to draft from the bottom of the barrel, uh, which I find, yeah. you know, or, or like, oh man, you know, Austin Meadows went down with an injury. I've got to go. I have no idea who this guy is. Like, like I got to yeah. go pick up someone that <laughs> me, I have not heard of, even though like I am plugged in on everything. Um, like there's something really cool about that. So. Amazing. Well, uh, unfortunately, that is going to bring us to the end of this episode of Dugout Study Hall. Justin, thank you so much for being a part of this. This is an amazing conversation. Um, before we let you go here, take the time, go through all the places and the things that you do where people can find you. I, again, I can't imagine anybody listening to this doesn't already know every spot that they can find you. But just in case, go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter is probably the best place to find me uh, at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, I'm also social media wise. I'm on Facebook with a public, uh, you know, profile. Um, so you can friend request me there if, if that's the place you like to communicate. I'm also on TikTok, which is I, I feel too old for, but I, nice. I'm, I'm trying it out. I'm going to try it out <laughs> some more. I'm on Instagram, but I don't post there at all. Uh and then uh, I do the Sleeper in the Bus podcast with, with Paul Spore and Jason Collette. I do the Friends of Fancy Benefits podcast with Dave McDonald, uh, Mike Warner, and Matt Thompson. And then the TGFBI podcast kind of by myself. Uh, and I write daily or five days a week over at Fangraphs on the fantasy side of things. Uh, and then Friends of Fancy Benefits.com and TGFBI.com. Go sign up for TGFBI. Like, you know, like, please, please go sign up. Uh, we currently have uh, 440 applicants, um, which uh, I have already kind of marked that I'm going to be accepting at least 410 of them. Um, so, and maybe more because I haven't updated my list the last couple of days. So, uh, hoping to get over 435, you know, get to 450, do you know, 30 league, at least 30 leagues this year. Uh, but yeah, go, go sign up. Um, and if you're not in the industry, go play uh, a satellite um, league and win your way in next year or go get yourself into the industry. Yeah. So start a website yeah. and write a, write a post. Yeah. Yeah. Just, absolutely. That's what my wife did last year. Like she was like, I want to play yeah. DGFBI. I was like, well, you're not in the industry. She goes, watch this. And she, she <laughs> created talk about fantasy.com. And don't put wrote barriers an article in front of her. And I was like, you're in. <laughs> um, and then her and I did that podcast, uh, you know, uh, for the first part of, you know, uh, of 2021. And it was, uh, it was awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I think that's all I have to plug. I'm sure there, there will be other things down the road. Oh, yeah. Follow me on YouTube and Twitch. Um, if, if you want to catch, I, I put a lot of my uh, video or podcasts on video form on there. Um, and, uh, I will be doing a lot more video as draft season starts to get around. People can watch me do drafts. Um, I'm going to try to learn how to edit video because um, I don't really know how to do that yet. Um, and so I want to do kind of video tutorials on things as well. So 
Awesome. Well, thanks again for being a part of this and and joining our our humble show. Uh, Alexander, everybody knows where they can find Justin now. If you could go ahead and let the people know where they could find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.